please rise. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And Job, uh, after experiencing much calamity, confessed and said and worshiped God and said, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You may be seated. On behalf of uh, Kenny Rogers' family, let me welcome you and thank you for your presence here. Uh, in addition to Kenny's family, Kenny, we all know that Kenny uh, made an impact on people. He had a lot of friends, and, and your presence here is evidence of that. So thank you for your presence this, this afternoon. We gather together uh, in times like these for several reasons. Uh, we, we sincerely desire to give thanks to the Lord and, and honor Kenny's life. And so we worship God and give him thanks uh, for, for the life of Kenny Rogers today. And as we, as we remember Kenny, we also seek comfort, uh, the comfort of the Holy Spirit through God's word. Funerals are a time of, of mourning, of grief. Death is a bitter reminder that things are not what they ought to be, that all is not right with the world, and we are in need of a Redeemer. And yet, as bitter as the sting of death is for believers in Jesus Christ, we're given a sure promise that he himself will be our comfort in the midst of grief. Jesus says to us, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And that comfort is found in this, that Jesus died and rose again from the dead for sinners. He has broken the power of death, and all who have trusted in him are safe because he gives us life and life eternal, so that for all who trust in the risen Jesus, it is as Jesus said, though we die, yet shall we live. And so we gather finally to renew our hope in the certainty of the resurrection through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, for many of you, you already have that hope as you are trusting Jesus, even as Kenny did. And perhaps some of you have not yet found that hope in Jesus. And if that's true, then don't let Kenny's death be a wasted opportunity for you. But may you, may we all find comfort and hope in the love of God in Jesus Christ. Now hear these words from Jesus as he calls us to worship today. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love, and you are able to turn the shadow of death into the morning. Help us now to wait upon you with reverent and believing hearts. And in the silence of this hour, we pray you would speak to us of eternal things, that through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we may have hope and be lifted above our darkness and distress into the light and peace of your presence through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you're able, would you stand with me as we sing together hymn 460, Amazing Grace.
Amen. You may be seated. As we gather today, uh, we gather both to grieve Kenny's passing together, and uh, we gather to celebrate his life together. And as we do this, let us uh, encourage one another, let us support one another, and let us find hope and comfort and peace uh, for this moment in God's holy word together. And we read in several passages this morning, or this afternoon for us. In the first three verses of Psalm 46, uh, we learn that it is God's presence with his people that brings us peace even in the midst of the most difficult moments of our lives. So I'm going to read Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. In Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14, we are assured that our Lord knows our frame, that he remembers that we are dust that he knows that we are prone to sin, and that even so, our Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger, and he is abounding in steadfast love. So let me read Psalm 103, 8 through 14 for us. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. In Psalm 94, Verses 17 through 19, we are reminded that it is the Lord who sustains us. It is the Lord who consoles us as we remember his past faithfulness to us and as we are reminded to continue placing our faith in his promises. So let me read Psalm 94, 17 through 19. If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought... My foot slips. Your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. In Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 26, we find these incredible promises of the Lord's sustaining mercy. So we read Lamentations 3, 22 through 26 for us. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we come today bringing our weary hearts thanking you for your steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, we ask that you would comfort our hearts this afternoon. Lord, we thank you for your word that assures us that you are with us 
even in the midst of the most difficult moments of our lives, that tells us that you are our refuge and our strength, that you are not far off in our moments of need, but that you are our very present help in times of trouble. Lord, we thank you for the way your word encourages us to remember your past faithfulness to us, to remember that you keep your promises to us, to be our help, to hold us up when our, even when we feel like our foot is slipping, uh, that you are the one who comes to console us when the cares of our hearts are many. Lord, we thank you that your word assures us that you are well aware that we are dust. You're well aware that we are prone to sin, and yet you are a God who is merciful and gracious towards sinners, that you are slow to anger, that you are overflowing in your steadfast love towards us in spite of the sin that we struggle with, and that your steadfast love for us led you to send Jesus Christ into the world to live a perfect life, to die on the cross to save sinners in need of your mercy and grace. And Lord, we thank you that in your word we find incredible promises made by you to your people, that your steadfast love will never cease, that your mercies are new every morning, and that your faithfulness towards us is unshakable. Promises that you are our portion, that you are our hope, and that you are good. Lord, we ask that you'll be with us this day, and I ask that you please comfort our hearts and help us to believe your truth. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, and now, uh, if you're in Abel, I invite you to stand with me. We're going to sing hymn number 307, Nothing But the Blood.
you would give your attention to several portions from uh, God's Word, and I'll add some brief comments to them at the end. Uh, I know that, that Kenny was uh, a person who was interested in uh, caring for those in need. He was a great helper, a great encourager of, of so many, myself uh, included. And uh, I think we see that as part of the, the character of God himself, that, that God is a one who is a helper in our time of need. We hear that in a couple of places from the Psalms, from Psalm 82, verses 1 through 4. Uh, the psalmist says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And from Psalm 146, a psalm of praise, the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. And from John 10, Jesus preaching on Psalm 23 describes himself as our good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Apostle Paul writes of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ from Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then towards the end of that chapter, he writes, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Or distress, 
or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And finally, from Hebrews 4, the writer tells us about Jesus being our great high priest. He says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession." For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Those first two passages uh, highlight an aspect of God's character that we often overlook, perhaps, that the Lord is one who cares for those in need. Psalm 82 speaks of the weak and the fatherless, the afflicted and the destitute, the weak and the needy. And Psalm 147 speaks of those who are oppressed and in need of justice, those who are hungry and in need of food, those who are bowed down and in need of being Lift it up, and the Lord is the one who meets them in their particular situation and provides exactly what they need. He is a God who cares for those in need, who lifts up those bowed down low. Kenny's life reflected his faith in the Lord who cares for those in need. As believers in Jesus Christ, we believe that our, our deeds follow our faith. They are the fruit of faith, not not the root of faith in Jesus. They demonstrate core belief, core trust, and core hope. And Kenny's life demonstrated uh, that faith in the God who cares for those in need. He loved to serve others. He loved to serve and to help others in time of need. He had a particular heart for those who were vulnerable, those who might be afflicted, those who might be in need of help. Learned this past week of Kenny's involvement in an a, a organization that provided Christmas gifts to children in, in the area in Virginia where he used to live, an uh, activity that he started many years ago that continues to this day out of a, a heart that desired to give to those who uh, might not to be, be able to provide for themselves. Kenny was involved here in uh, serving in missions. We went on a couple of missions trips. He went on at least two that I know of uh, with our church down to a church plant in Mexico. We call it, they call it the Mahaki Center. Uh, Kenny had a deep love for this mission and was able to go himself and serve and provide uh, ministry in, in those places. Kenny was a great encourager. Uh, when he was here, he was here. Every Sunday morning, just about, several of us would gather for prayer before Sunday school, and, and Kenny was consistently there as we prayed for the church, as we prayed for the worship service, as we enjoyed fellowship with one another. Kenny was a great encourager simply with his presence and his prayers, never forgetting to pray for Matthew Hall, 
a young man that we have often prayed for. Kenny never let us forget that we needed to pray for Matthew. That was close to his heart. He demonstrated uh, a love for the Lord who cares for those in need. Uh, and I think it's, it's a very real but often unspoken truth uh, that for those who trust Jesus for salvation, we have to come to the point where we recognize that, that these descriptions in the Bible about the needy, about those who are destitute, fatherless, and the widow, those who are particularly vulnerable and perhaps on the, on the fringe and um, open to being oppressed or taken advantage of, that that description of the needy in the Bible does not just apply to material needs. Material poverty, physical afflictions. Christians are people who see in those descriptions our own spiritual poverty, our own need for grace, our own need for a Lord who looks with kindness and grace upon those who are in need. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Christians are those who see their own need of grace and mercy and find it in Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for us. They are those who have grasped the mercy of God in Christ and are eager to give it to others, however imperfectly they may do that. Kenny had grasped that mercy of God in Jesus Christ, and it showed in his life. And the Lord promises to give you mercy in your grief and in your loss, the same mercy that he promises to all who trust in him. Not only is the Lord one who cares for those in need, but we, we know that trusting Jesus, following him in this life, results in certain things. Sometimes it results in conflict and a struggle. Sometimes it results in compassion. It often results in certainty. Conflict, compassion, and certainty. Uh, trusting Jesus often results in conflict. Romans 8.1 uh, that we read earlier, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is one of the most beautiful verses in the whole of Scripture. Uh, a wonderful promise that for those who have trusted in Jesus, all sin has been forgiven. There, there's no condemnation hanging over the heads of those who have trusted in Christ, it's done, it's put away, it's been fulfilled in Christ. And part of what makes that verse so beautiful is the passage leading up to it in Romans 7. We didn't read it, so I'll give you a summary. I'll give you the elevator speech version of Romans 7. Paul in Romans 7 is basically saying when we follow Jesus, there's this inner struggle, this inner conflict that often feels like warfare. There's the, the new man who's been made new in Christ who desires to, to love and to serve the Lord with all of life. And there is yet the remaining presence of indwelling sin that wages war with those new desires. It produces a conflict within us. And, and the Apostle Paul describes this as a very real and often very painful conflict that Christians experience in this life, between often a desire to sin and then a desire to please God in our lives. There's struggle, there's warfare there. And that struggle is one that does not end until we die. We live with that inner turmoil and conflict, battling against the things that we know are not good for us. One writer has said that 
while sin and grace, sin and Christ, you might say, can coexist in a believer's life, that the love for sin and the love for Christ cannot. That same writer said that there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. Amid Kenny's faults and failures, Kenny had learned to trust in the mercy of Christ for sinners. And so there was often that struggle, that that conflict, that inner turmoil, desiring to please the Lord and struggling with very real faults. Yet the grace of God was evident in Kenny's life, even through, or perhaps you might say especially through, that struggle. Kenny didn't shy away from talking about his Savior, from talking about Jesus, from talking about the need for God's grace in Jesus Christ. He didn't shy away from encouraging others to go to church, to trust the Lord. And perhaps it was because of his own battles that he had hopes for better things for others. It produced in him, trusting Jesus produced in him not only conflict, but also compassion. The Christian life is a a struggle. And that struggle, experiencing it, helps us to be compassionate towards others in that same struggle. There's also certainty, though. And this is the most wonderful part of the good news of the gospel. That the certainty and hope that we can have comes not from the amount of fruit that we can bear in our lives or the success, relative success, that we can have in overcoming faults and struggles in this life. Our certainty as believers, our hope as believers, comes from Jesus Christ. That in Jesus, all that is necessary for forgiveness, for righteousness, for hope that that lasts beyond this life and can never be broken by anything in this life, including our sin, our certainty is is that Jesus has done all things necessary for us, which is why Paul can say at the beginning of Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation. Even with the intensity of the struggle, even with the conflict that arises in those who trust Jesus and still struggle with real sin, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because he has done it all. In his death, he bears our penalty for sin. He was condemned in our place. And in his resurrection, he has overcome sin and death and Satan and has anchored for us an eternal hope. Romans 8 begins with that confidence. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it ends with triumph at last. Nothing. Nothing in creation, powers, heights, depths, angels, principalities. Paul just kind of lumps everything into this list as a way of saying, if you can think of it, it cannot separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's triumph at last for those who are in Jesus. Nothing can separate us from him, not even ourselves. And we're reminded that Jesus, the good shepherd, holds us fast. He's a sympathetic, sinless high priest who when we come to him with our faults, with our failures, he doesn't stiff arm us and say, get away from me. Jesus welcomes the sinner. He knows what it is to be tempted in all ways as we are. And yet he is able, he is able to help us in our time of need with grace and mercy because he had no sin and is powerful to conquer it for us at his cross and his resurrection. 
Jesus the good shepherd holds us fast. You might say, I think it's fair to say, that the hardest part of the Christian life here, the here and now, is living by faith in God's presence while we still have the continued presence of sin within us. That's hard for the believer, to know that I live before the face of God and I still have sin in my heart. And that's part of what makes heaven a most joyful place. Faith becomes sight, and we are in the full presence of God, and sin is absent. All the struggles, all the things that weigh us down, that create conflict within and even without, as we sin and hurt others even, all of those things that we long to be done away with, they're done away with in heaven, in the presence of God. The struggles that plagued Kenny, the struggles that plague all believers, the struggle with sin, in this life they're forgiven. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. But not only are they forgiven here and now, but they're also completely done away with when we see Jesus. And in the meantime, as we wait for that day, Jesus promises to be for us a sympathetic Savior who gives us grace and mercy to help in our time of need. We saw that sympathy in many ways in Kenny, but in Jesus it's joined with sinlessness and power and grace upon grace. Jesus understands our struggles and our sins, but has also overcome them with his sinless life, his death, and his resurrection. The one who promises to lift up those who are bowed down and those who are oppressed, he became downcast and oppressed for us in the incarnation and the cross of Jesus so that we might find forgiveness and lasting hope. Kenny found that hope in Jesus and the love of Christ, and he pointed us to it as well. May we find our hope in him uh, even as Kenny did. Would you pray with me? Almighty God and merciful Heavenly Father, you are the consolation of all those who sorrow and the supporter of the weary. Jesus, we know that you yourself wept at the grave of your dearly loved friend Lazarus, and you have promised that you will not leave us comfortless. You've sent us your spirit who is called the Comforter. Lord, even as we thank you for Kenny's life, we are grieved by his death. And so, Lord, would you come now with comfort for your people? Father, we pray for Kenny's family, that you would comfort their grieving hearts, uh, that you would lift them up as they are themselves downcast in this loss. We pray for Jenny and for Jack. We pray for Ken and Karen. We pray for all of the grandchildren and uh, uh, for uh, Belle Jo, uh, that you would be a comfort to them as well. Father, we pray that you would remind them and help them to believe that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. May the sorrowful cry of their hearts give way to the triumphant words of Jesus who said, Behold, I am the living one. I died and am alive forevermore. Behold, I am making all things new. Father, for all those who knew and loved Kenny, would you grant them comfort in your promises and give them hope in the resurrection of Jesus. And may all who gather here today Know Jesus in such a way that they can say, because he lives, we also shall live. And so, Lord, we thank you for Kenny.
father, grandfather, a brother, and friend. We thank you for his compassionate heart towards others. We thank you for the demonstration of his faith through acts of service and love. And we thank you, Lord, that even in Kenny's own frailty, we saw him clinging to the cross as his only hope. Help us, through his example, to see and embrace Jesus, the Savior of all who trust in him. We pray all of this with gratitude in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Let's sing together hymn 308, Jesus Paid It All. If you're able, would you stand with me? benediction. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And all of God's people said, Amen.